Welcome to the Thought Leadership Project, a podcast by Jay Harrington and Tom Nixon, exploring how lawyers can turn expertise into thought leadership and thought leadership into new business. Welcome to another episode of the Thought Leadership Project podcast. I'm Jay Harrington. With me is Tom Nixon. Hi, Tom. Hello again, Jay. Hello again. So we're, uh, we're a couple weeks into the fourth quarter. So I think it's, it's definitely planning season as we've, we've discussed before, but now it's, now it's getting real, right? I mean, the, uh, the, I feel like, you know, really when we're talking about the fourth quarter, we're really talking about, you know, mid to late November because, um, between just people checking out in December and also just being bombarded with end of year work and administrative deadlines, you know, this, this kind of period between now and mid November is critical. Don't you think? I do. I think I actually consider fourth quarter, like the, um, Tuesday after Labor Day weekend through Thanksgiving. And then after that, you tend to lose people's attention and, uh, you know, like you said, there's all sorts of other competing factors for people's time and attention that time of year. So. Absolutely. And so, Today we wanted to talk about I, I think a key component of of planning for a successful year ahead, and that would be you know for I think we've talked before about having you know strategies around thought leadership marketing generally, and and sometimes that applies to a firm, um, but it also can apply to an individual. But today I think we'll zoom out even a little further and talk about developing a a personal marketing plan uh, more holistically. So I think. As you might imagine, we'll be talking about uh, a bit about thought leadership in this episode, but I want to talk about kind of all the components that might go into a personal marketing plan. Sound good, Tom? You want to dive in here? Yeah, that sounds great. Okay. So I think a couple things uh, to to start. For one, you know, I think we're both big advocates of when it comes to planning uh, the keep it simple approach, right? Where plans can get overly complex. And as a result of that complexity, they're very difficult to execute upon. So I think a simple plan is called for um, enough detail to make it relevant and useful, but not so much that it's going to be this, you know, this cumbersome kind of document that's that's really never going to see the, the light of day outside of a desk drawer or a hard drive on your computer. Um, so that that's one thing. Um, the other thing would be, uh, you know, just to uh, think about your plan as it relates to your goals. Um, so, you know, sometimes we don't take the necessary step of, of thinking about, you know, first and foremost, and, and including as part of your plan, what your goals are for the upcoming year. And, and that, that can be a step that we oftentimes overlook because it's just, you know, I don't know, goal setting can, can seem in some instances as a, as a exercise in, in futility because, you know, we've all been through experiences of setting goals and then falling short on them. But in this, and we'll discuss in a moment, we really want, we, we think that's the critical first step in this process and to really think about, you know, what you want to achieve with some real specificity around it. So, so let's maybe start Tom talking about goal setting and um, that, that really should be the, the first section of your personal marketing plan. And I think we, we we're both on the same page where, a goal needs to be, it, it doesn't need to specifically follow this format, but we're advocates for the the SMART goal setting uh, framework, SMART being an acronym for um, 
specific, measurable, attainable, um, relevant, and time-based. So you know, if we run through those things, obviously specifics, fairly straightforward. You don't want to ha have a goal that's too general in nature. Um, measurable, you should, you should have a clear understanding of whether you either achieve or fall short of that goal. Um, attainable, this basically means, you know, we, we want goals to be ambitious, but not so ambitious that they're incapable of achieving. Um, relevant meaning they're, they're, you know, they relate to your practice. They're not extraneous. Uh, they're not um, sort of separate from your, your overall practice objectives. And then time bound. Again, you want to put yourself on a deadline when it comes to your goal. So thinking about, um, you know, every goal should have some specific deadline. That's what makes it measurable in a sense, um, as opposed to just some, some, some ob objective or aspiration that you can never um, understand whether, you know, you've, you've hit your deadline or not hit your deadline. Um, and, and, you know, one other component of goal setting is that I, I oftentimes will talk to clients about the fact that if it's already something that you're obligated to do, it probably shouldn't be part of your your goals, right? So, you know, hitting your billable hour requirements, I would exclude that from your your goal setting because it's it's just not something that is really going to get you excited or um, really get you geared up. And you should be thinking beyond those basic requirements that you have to meet and be thinking beyond that in terms of, you know, that smart goal framework and coming up with some, some specific, uh, goals that are, you know, while attainable, meaning they're, they're, you're capable of achieving them. They're, they're looking beyond what you, what you have to do and, and looking at what you should be doing. So Tom, anything you want to add to that? We can talk a little bit more about goals, but I, I wanted to stop there. Yeah, that, there's a, there's a conflict in some ways, at least in the way when I first became familiar with the smart framework, I was also being introduced to the BHAG concept, which is the big, hairy, audacious goals. So you, mm -hmm. you want to shoot for the moon um, because anything short of that is mundane and, and who you know you won't derive passion from it. But when you apply the smart framework, to me, the most important letter in there is the A part, especially for attorneys who aren't yet doing, if they don't have yet a personal marketing plan, or they're not doing thought leadership marketing. Um, so I'm, I'm thinking of those that need to get started in 2020 or the end of 20, uh, end of 2020 or beginning of 2021. And going back to your, your point about setting goals in making the planning process so complex that the plan will never get out of the, the drawer that you shove it in as soon as you're done. I think the biggest thing is committing to something that is you know, obviously reachable, something that you can hold yourself accountable to, and then build up from there. Like, don't say I'm going to write 20 new articles next year. If you've written zero the previous year, I would say I'm going to write one a month, something that I know I can achieve as opposed to one a week or two a week, something like that. So, and then once you get into a cadence, you know, I like to review these programs, you know, look at them monthly, but then audit and actually maybe tweak them quarterly. So after 90 days, if one article per month say seems like it's not enough, then you can always increase your cadence in your second quarter goal setting. So I would, I just wanted to emphasize the A because sometimes when you, you look at a plan that does not look attainable, then there's this paralysis that sets in and you don't do anything. Yeah, right. Exactly. So I would say you know, for 2021, when, when it comes to goal setting, think of uh, maybe two to three at most goals that you want to achieve and, and put those in your plan so that, um, and, and in doing so, by defining those goals, you'll have a better sense of how to create the activities that need to be engaged in, in order to achieve those goals. So that, that goal 
uh, is then deconstructed into your plan. Um, so that, that's why it's that's why it's particularly important. Um, and so just to add to that too, sorry, I know you want to move off of goals, but just to add to that, the S going back to the SMART acronym, the S when you're writing those two to three down, that's where that S comes in. Specificity is key because you don't want to have some nebulous goal that says, you know, improve business development skills or increase um, billable hours or uh, achieve higher uh, rates or something like that. Whatever you want to have some specificity that says I need to get. 50,000 in new business per month, say, whatever it is, whatever, just be specific because the M comes next, which is if you're not specific, there's no way to measure it. If you've increased your skills, it's just too vague and too squishy. So the more specific you can be on two to three goals, the easier it is going to be to measure them and then attain them and so on. So, all right, go ahead. Sure. So the next few sections are more strategic thinking oriented. Uh, so you you this is where we want to really um, think about how, you know, what makes you different, um, who your audience is, um, and then, you know, where that, where you need to reach that audience. So the second section we like to have our clients think about is key differentiators. So what makes you meaningfully different from your competitors? Uh, what is your uh, unique value proposition? And, and why this is important is because it, it gives you a sense of, you know, how you can go to the marketplace with your unique set of skills and experience and attract the ideal fit clients that you're looking for. Uh, you, you don't want to have, you don't want to be seen as one of many. You want to be seen as someone who's unique and, and attractive to a particular group of prospective clients. And it's worth thinking through this, uh, strategic issue in order to understand how you're going to actually you know go out and develop new business and and develop new relationships and and stand out from kind of the masses uh, that you're competing with so think think about that a little bit i mean it, there's many ways to go about this but you know think about how can you combine different uh, aspects of your expertise and experience to create something unique. So for example, you might do commercial litigation work, um, but it's going to be hard to stand out from the, the, all the other commercial litigators out there. But is there something in your background, um, either you know, prior to the practice of law or that you've developed within the practice of law, such as a unique um, industry uh, experience where you've been working with uh, a particular industry, or say you have, you know, an educational or or working background in some unique aspect, uh, such as engineering uh, or in the automotive industry or what have you. And by combining those two skill sets, your commercial litigation skill set with a unique industry or or some other um, vocational experience you then can really narrow down and narrow the focus of your practice and, and really create something meaningfully different. So think, go through the exercises of thinking about what makes you unique and, and try to define that within your marketing plan such that you know, when you're, again, going to market, you're not just going to market with some anodyne, uh, you know, uh, just general approach to how you're positioning yourself and rather something more specific and relevant and interesting that's going to attract people to you. Yeah, and I have a couple ideas of, of hacks to get to that either more quickly or more accurately. One is to do a client discovery. So make a short list of clients that have hired you and continue to rehire you um, and ask them, 
you know, you had a bunch of choices when you decided who you were going to hire for this matter. Why was it me? Why our firm? Why me specifically? And you're going to start to hear some authentic feedback. So going back to, you know, the attorney who's trying to determine what the differentiators are, sometimes you can ask the people who are best suited to tell you what the differentiators were and continue to be. So that's one side is to do a client discovery and, and have personalized phone calls. I wouldn't do a survey. I would just call five, six, seven, 10, you'll start to hear a lot of the same things. And that will be validating to you as you're trying to figure out what your positioning is and your differentiators are. The second thing to do is um, what we do when we get hired is to do a competitive audit and look at the big players against whom you're competing and do an audit of what their messaging is and how they state their differentiators. Because I think what you'll typically find is there's a lot of sameness and there's a lot of repetition, which presents an opportunity for you to say that which nobody else is saying. You'll see a lot of stuff about personalized service. You'll see a lot of language around results. Um, once that all starts to sound the same, something's going to bubble up for you based on those conversations you had with clients. And there's going to be an aha moment that you see none of the market that I'm competing against is saying this. And this is the thing my clients get telling me why they hire me. And now you have a pretty good validated assembly of what your key differentiators are. Yeah, those are great, Tom. I think that's, uh, that those are great exercises to run through that'll help you through this section of the marketing plan. Um, and closely related to that is is your audience itself, right? So this would be your third section of your plan, which is where you start talking about and thinking about uh, the audience you're trying to reach. So again, you know, we can't tell you what your audience is, but we can tell you that it's not everyone. You need to be more specific with it. You need to understand uh, who you're targeting, who who is the ideal buyer for the services you offer. So once you think about you know your goals, what differentiates you from the marketplace, then then identifying your audience gets easier because it, that'll help you kind of narrow down uh, the set of people who you're, you're trying to communicate to. And so in this, in this instance, you want to think about, you know, a number of things like who, who's hired you in the past? Um, what are the industry trends that are um, you know, sort of developing that, that you should be aware of in terms of, you know, who's, who's, a, who, where is the marketplace growing in terms of the services you're offering and, and who do you need to be targeting? Um, who is dealing with the types of problems that you're capable of solving? And narrowing it down to, you know, in some cases, it might be as those within a specific industry. And then even further to, you know, who within the businesses um, in that industry are the actual buyers of, of services. So it might be general counsel, it might be um, chief financial officers, it might be someone in the procurement department. So getting real specific and thinking about your audience is going to help, uh, as we talk about in the next section, really think about how to take, you know, your meaningfully different uh, positioning to that to that marketplace. And just to go back a section, sometimes the audience itself can be the differentiator. So we've been big advocates all along for getting really narrow on your target audience. And we've had guests on the show that demonstrate that this can actually increase an audience by going more narrowly because you're able to go more deep and get further, you know, more deep authentic engagement from the people you need to influence. And I'm thinking specifically of, um, well, I could name a number of them, but Jonathan Barber from Franchise.Law comes to mind, who at a certain point, he and his partner decide, not only are we going to, um, we're going to narrow our niche uh, from a vertical standpoint, but also from a horizontal standpoint. So they only do franchise law and to the, you know, expressed disinterest of any other kind of law. And then over time, they even got more specific and said, we're only doing franchise law for franchisors. 
not even franchisees anymore. So um, really narrow. And do you remember what Jonathan said? The moment we did that, it was when it seemed like the phone started ringing off the hook because it was really clear about who we are and why we're different and why we're the right person for that particular audience. So again, think about niching because the niche could be very well be the only differentiation you need. If you're the only attorney that does this specific kind of law for this specific kind of person, you might have, you know, edged out all of your competitors just by doing that. So anyways, just uh, rethinking about how audience can be differentiation. Yeah. And, and that plays right into the next section, which, you know, we we like to call it ecosystem or at least think about it in those terms because if you have a specifically defined audience in mind well then it makes it a heck of a lot easier to develop uh you know the the plan for reaching that audience and and that's because people who have common job titles common interests work in common industries they they gather in similar places they read similar things they uh they care about similar issues and they deal with similar problems. So by defining more narrowly your audience, you can then really define more clearly what ecosystem they participate in or, or, or aggregate or, or congregate in, I should say. And then you can then inject yourself into that ecosystem as well. So, you know, you think about what what trade groups are they members of? What uh, websites do they read? All of these factors play into this. Um, and then you can start doing things like joining those same associations, at- attending the conferences they attend, and and writing thought leadership con- content for the publications that they read. Um, it it just all the marketing pieces fall in place once you can define audience and then identify what ecosystem they all exist within. Yep, absolutely. And you know, not to look too far ahead to the next section, but the next section then becomes really easy and really evident. But to focus on this for a second, going back to if you do your client discovery, you not only understand, you you did mention this, but I just wanted to emphasize it. You understand, you said they they deal with the same problems. So you're going to know what the motivators are. Going back to asking a client why us and why not somebody else. If you know what motivates a very specific kind of person, and you know where that person lives, works, and plays and you've developed messaging that speaks to that, and you're visible in those same ecosystems, well, this is just a simple formula that, you know, is is engineered for success because you're going to deliver a message, you're going to deliver content in the right place to the right person at the right time with the, with the right pain points and, and solutions. So all of that then reveals what the marketing tactic should be because if you understand that your audience lives, works, and breathes, say, on LinkedIn, and they're in a LinkedIn group for franchisers, going back to the example, um, you could be visible in that LinkedIn group. You could be visible on the trade media, all the things you said. You could speak at the conventions and in the, in the, the, uh, the, uh, the uh, what's the word, uh, seminars, right? So you could be delivering content and then be the thought leader as opposed to doing all the other things that you could do. So now we're getting into how do we identify, Jay, the right marketing tactics? And shouldn't this be relatively intuitive at this point? Yeah, I think it is. So yeah, once you once you understand where people are, then the tactics for uh, reaching them is is relatively simple. Um, the the thing, the, I guess, a few things to keep in mind. So you know, the tactics might be um, again writing or cr- otherwise creating thought leadership content. Um, there's there's a, any number of marketing tactics you can do, and and the thing is, it every, almost everything can work. Um, the key though is to understand like what what can you do that's effective, but Perhaps more importantly, what's easy for you and uh, that you enjoy? 
So if you can, if you can identify things that you don't, you know, you don't dread doing, well, then it's going to make it a heck of a lot easier to engage in those marketing tactics. So if you, if you like to write, uh, then, then you should write. If you love networking, well, then, you know, Right now, it might be a little difficult, but you should find ways to network. Uh, there are, you know, any number of things you can do, um, and and it all depends on you know what your objectives are, what your goals are, who your audience is, because again, your audience might live on digital platforms almost exclusively and never gather in person. Well, that makes it pretty easy to determine how you're going to go after that audience. It's primarily going to be through thought leadership, um, and and so. There, you know, you really want to just have the right mix of of tactics. Again, um, make sure making sure that they are in fact effective. But again, most anything can be effective if you do it well and consistently enough. Um, but perhaps more importantly, what's easy for you? You know, what is it that you like doing that you'll do more of, even if you know you didn't necessarily even perceive the return on investment from it. If you can find those things, um, again, if you love writing, write. Uh, then you're you're gonna sort of just have no. You're not gonna have to exercise a tremendous amount of willpower and discipline in order to remain consistent with your marketing. Yep. Two, yeah. Two things. I, I always say, and I think these are important to keep in mind. Now, one is match the moment, and the other one's read the room. So match the moment. I mean, you know, if it, all of a sudden in earlier this year, like you suggested, the traditional forms of networking and in-person gathering and the going to conferences and being a keynote speaker, that got thrown out the window as did, you know, sponsoring those types of events and sending a table and all of these things, you know, got completely obliterated by a pandemic and still are, even as we're starting to kind of get back to some sense of normalcy, but certain things have been permanently adopted. So you need to, as you're creating your plan, you need to make sure that whatever you're mapping out, like you said, matches the moment. So right now I would be focusing on digital tools. And, you know, if you're used to giving talks, you know, now you're giving webinars. And if you're used to um, networking in person, well, now you're networking on LinkedIn. It's just, you, you need to match the moment. And then when I say read the room is understanding, going back to the niche audience, figure out how that audience likes to consume content and not everyone's the same way. And going back to your your point about if something is arduous, you'll never do it. But if something's easy and it, it lights a fire for you, you'll look forward to doing it. And I have certain clients who it would take them six hours to write a 1200 word article, but it takes them a half hour to record a podcast. Um, so, and it just so happens that their target market, you know, has a preference for audio content or written just because they're busy executives. So you'll find the right tactics going back to, you know, you'll have a pretty intuitive cookbook once you go through these other processes, but make sure to your point that they match up not only with your ability and your desires, but also reading the room and knowing what your audience wants and how they want it. Yeah. And then that, that brings us to kind of the last category that you'll want to focus on in your plan, which is kind of the, the schedule of, of activity. So thinking about, you know, not only what you're going to do, but, but when you're going to do it and how you're going to accomplish that. So I recommend, you know, carving out, identifying, a, a, the amount of time that you can allocate towards marketing every week. You know, we've talked before about the importance of investing or selling yourself one hour of your time each day to work on these types of things. And, and, actually going through and determining what you're going to do and when you're going to do it on specific days. Um, ideally, it would be every day you're doing something, uh, but putting that time in your to-do list and in your calendar and making that you know an important priority, a priority above all else in many instances. Um, so you want to go through and, and, and calendar and block that time off so that you, know, you don't end up in 
in say March and realize that you've never really taken any steps forward on this plan that you developed. So get real specific on that schedule and that will help to keep you accountable to the plan that you've created. Which maps back to the attainability of the goals that you set early on. So I have a really simple way for people to remember all of this. And this is how I remember it in case I get lost. It's the, um, the why, what, who, where, how, and when. So just to kind of recap everything, the why is you establishing what your goals are, what you're trying to achieve with specificity and uh, the rest of the uh, letters in the SMART acronym. That's your why. Your key differentiators are your what. What do you have that they don't, that they meaning your competitors don't have um, and understanding what the message should be. And of course, the who is your audience. The where is that ecosystem. Marketing tactics are how you're going to achieve the plan that you and achieve the goals that you establish. And then the when is the cadence of the weekly activity. So um, it's fairly simple. Going back to what you said at the beginning, you don't need to make it complex. Um, Sometimes people err on the side of complexity because they want it to look robust and they want it to look sophisticated, but it doesn't need to be that. You could do all of this on one side of a piece of paper with a pencil in a piece of paper, right? So um, keep it simple. If you want to use that convention of the who, why, what, when I advocate for, because anyone can relate to that. Um, but we'll, of course, create this cadence in the show notes and people can go back and then refer back to it. Yeah. And I think the the last thing I would mention, uh, so as far as like, and I'll be interested in your perspective on this, Tom, is like, I, I don't think this whole exercise should take most lawyers more than, you know, two to three hours at most. It's not, it, we, that's why we try to keep it simple. This, this should be like a, at most a two to three page document um, and maybe take you two to three hours to complete. Uh, and and as a result of that, there's just a few other things I would say that maybe you know you could do to help set yourself up for success in the new year on this, which is spending a bit of time in the fourth quarter just looking at like your what I'll call your obstacles and opportunities uh, right now. So what are the obstacles that are getting in the way of you consistently engaging in marketing and business development? And so that would be things like, are you are you delegating enough work off your plate to other people? Are the things that you're doing that you should eliminate from your from your workflow altogether that just don't serve any purpose other than they've just become routine things that you do or you have trouble saying no um, when you should be and 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 otherwise getting in the way of you prioritizing what's most important and thinking about, you know, how do you create systems and processes with your administrative assistant, uh, you know, other support within the firm to not have to think about going this alone in terms of executing your plan. There's other things that people can do and how do you create some systems and processes around that where others can help and, and you can continue to sort of level up to higher value tasks as opposed to getting in the weeds and it preventing you from really doing what you're best at. Yeah, and I'll just share with, uh, this won't be for everyone, but for um, C-types, if you're a follower of DISC or uh, Colby Indicator Fact Finders, this is how my brain works, so this may help some people. Is I think to speed this up, you actually need to slow it down, at least initially, if you've never done this before. And so I would spend two weeks, as much as four weeks, but that's going to seem like now we're already into mid-November. But typically, I would spend at least two weeks where I'm in reflection and observation mode. So I'm not going to sit down in front of a computer and start typing away because you'll have planner's block, if that's such a thing, like writer's block, where you're just mm-hmm. forcing yourself to get through a document. But two weeks to just think about it when you're doing a walk uh, in the shower, maybe on a commute to just germinate on what my goals are and what do I think I do really well and what do I really want out of my practice and how am I better than anyone else in the world, as Seth Godin might say. 
that's the reflection part. And the observation part is to immerse yourself in the market. So read the media, you know, consume podcasts, look at competitors, um, again, do this client discovery work. This is the observation period that's going to, I think, pair up with the reflection that you do. Then when you sit down to actually do the document, I think you could probably do it in an hour or hour and a half. And you wouldn't even need two to three hours. Um, but that's just the way my brain works. So like I, 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 I believe in observing, you know, gathering data and then being decisive and quick about making that data actionable into a plan. Yeah, I love that. I think that's uh, that's really smart and and absolutely should be part of everyone's practice in terms of uh, you know thinking about marketing for 2021. That that reflection and observation is key. So I'm I'm totally on board with you on that front, Tom. This might be just I was going to make this point at the beginning for depending on the size of your firm. This might be completely on you as an attorney. I mean, you probably have some some sort of marketing department, but at you know a large firm, they don't have enough resources to spend you know, with each attorney and develop everyone's marketing plan and, and devote all of the firm's resources to your specific plan. So this is, you know, I hate to say this is on you, audience listening. This is, no one's going to do this for you, I don't think. Um, if you're at a small firm, then this becomes the firm's marketing plan. So it's even more critical. But um, start with that realization that this this is your New Year's resolution for 2021, but you're making it now going forward, which is, this is my priority. This is something I'm going to do. And this is something I'm going to execute. So it's all me and I own it. Yeah. And, and I would say too, Tom, that at many firms, um, and this would be, I think it, it could be any size firm, but certainly maybe the mid-sized to larger firms developing something, it may not be called your marketing plan, but developing something along these lines where you're identifying goals and, and objectives for the coming year might be a practice plan, depends on what they what they term it, but it's all sort of the same thing. Um, this is something that many many firms require all attorneys to do on an annual basis anyway. Um, the, 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 uh, the danger is though that what I, what I see when I'm coaching clients and, and consulting with them is that oftentimes they'll start with last year's document and just kind of tweak it at the edges. Mm-hmm. And so what I would encourage, uh, what I would encourage our listeners to do would be to start with a blank slate this year, just really throw out, don't, don't think about like just going back to last year's plan and, and tweaking it, start with a blank sheet of paper and really start from the ground up. That'll help you to think uh, out, you know, outside the box uh, to use a cliche and, and really think uniquely and, and, and strategically about this year's plan. Yeah. And I would just, my only word of caution would be don't Google it. You know, I don't think this is some template that you download from the internet. What, you know, mm-hmm. a successful marketing plan for attorneys and maybe you need um, a sounding board. So if it's not a coach, I mean, I would recommend coaching, but if it's not a coach, maybe you partner up with another attorney and you guys act as each other's sounding board. You kind of do it separately, but together um, just so you're sort of testing some of those assumptions. Like you're saying the, the cookie cutter, well, 2019 save as, you know, just changing 2020 and now I'm tweaking at the edges. I, I wouldn't recommend that. Some much has changed this past year that like you almost need to throw out last year's playbook and start over. So great point. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. So, all right, well, that's uh, I think that's marketing plan uh, strategy for 2021 and in about 30 minutes or so. So uh, hopefully you got something out of this and, and certainly it's a, it's a useful exercise, but you know, it's really all about creating something that's going to spur you to act uh, in the coming year. That, that'll be the most important part. Certainly just do something. Uh, don't let it stop at the planning stage. Um, so Tom, uh, any, any last thoughts or, or 
No, I would say, you know, the thing you can do immediately is start the reflection period. So like as soon as we say aloha at the end of this podcast, the clock's running. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right. Well, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, We'll be back next week with another episode. And um, until then, uh, have a great week. Thanks. And aloha. Aloha. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Thought Leadership Project. For show notes, additional resources, and links to the tools discussed on today's episode, visit thethoughtleadershipproject.com.